Welcome to Stay at Home, Mom, with your illustrious host, Leslie Goodgesell, mother to six beautiful daughters, wife to an amazingly hardworking and supportive husband, homeschooler, and homesteader in the making. Join me on this journey, this blessing of what motherhood looks like. And what inspires me to meet with you every week and share the joys and the hardships of what it is to be a stay-at-home mom. Welcome to this week's episode of Stay at Home Mom, where I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony in depth as to why I'm doing what I'm doing. I came across this post on Facebook. Ooh, surprise, surprise, right? Everything's on Facebook. <laughs> It really stirred something up inside of me, and I thought, now's a really good time for me to share why I do what I do and why I'm doing it, (laughs) because let's be honest, I'm not making millions doing it, and it is consuming part of my time. So why is it worth my time to do what I'm doing? Well, this post that I read said that women are not supposed to be silent. (laughs) You're like, wait a minute, yeah, of course. (laughs) Well, there is this idea, this theology that permeates the Christian faith, and that is women are not supposed to teach. Women are not supposed to teach men. We're not supposed to be in charge of assemblies. Some people who are very strong in the faith firmly believe that women should not be pastors, should not be apostles, should not do blah, 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 blah. All of these things. They feel like it goes against scripture. And they can pull out scripture to support that 100%. They can if they're taking it out of context. And that's something that we talked about before, right? (laughs) You have to know the word in context to get the fullness of the word. If we don't take scripture in context, and that means you have to take it from the beginning to the end to get a full context of what it's meaning, you can very easily be deceived by the enemy to believe things that aren't true. I personally, how does this relate to me, right? Let's bring it back. This idea, this ideology, theology, this way of thinking and living is exactly what I was taught. Not growing up because I did not grow up in a household that attended church. We didn't read our Bibles. We didn't pray together. We didn't worship. We didn't do any of the things that I do in my life now. But at 17, 18, I started attending church with a boyfriend. I quote unquote got saved, however you want to say that. Like I found God or he found me or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of Christianese that can go into it. But the truth is I had a revelation of who my creator was and that his son died for my sins and was my savior. And I could have a personal intimate relationship with him. So that revelation became real and it became my life. And from that moment, I studied how to be a godly woman, how to be somebody that exemplified my heavenly father. And there are a lot of opinions out there and a lot of them have to do with women being quiet. And a lot of people, you know, they refer to Ephesians 5, which I've talked about in the past, you know, wives submit to your husband. Well, there's a follow-up verse, which we've discussed. (laughs) 
But really, the church culture focuses on being a meek, mild woman, you know, holding your tongue, sitting back, allowing your husband to do the speaking and doing this and that. Well, as I'm sure you've recognized, if you've listened to my podcast for any amount of time, I'm very opinionated. I'm very vocal. I express myself verbally. I am all out there. (laughs) Nothing is held back. So imagine the internal struggle that I went through trying to fit into this mold that I was being told I needed to be. I went years as a single person. I dated a few guys here and there, was engaged, whatever. Like it never worked because the Lord kept telling me, nope, not this one. And I was like, Okay. I knew that there was somebody out there for me that Yahweh had set aside just for me. Not a perfect person, (laughs) but somebody who was perfect for me. And I waited for that person. It was difficult. There were times I remember sitting and crying and being like, Yahweh, I know you're there and I can feel your presence, but I... I really just need someone with skin on. I need somebody with skin on to wrap me in their arms, to hold me, to tell me that they love me, that things are going to be okay, that I'm not always going to feel alone. Like, I know that you're with me and I am so thankful and I love you. But sometimes I just really need somebody with skin on. (laughs) And eventually he did bring me that person. (laughs) Which is a beautiful story. Knowing that that person, knowing that James was my person, I did everything I could to be the person that our culture, our church culture, Christian culture, whatever you want to call it, what they told me I should be. Well, that's difficult, right? When you're trying to be something different than what you are. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't always be striving to do better, to improve ourselves, to make better choices, to be the best version of who we ought to be. But I am saying there's a difference in working with our creator (laughs) to be who we are and who he's made us to be and being somebody that is working to fit a mold that you don't fit in. You can't fit a round peg in a square hole. You can't fit a square peg in a round hole. They just, it never works. It never fits just right. I'm sure if you pounded it in there, you probably could force it. But it wasn't intended for that mold. And for 12, the first 12 years of our marriage, I struggled. And James and I both kind of talked about how we had this really difficult season. And I would like to talk about the revelation that happened and what propelled me to be where I am today. And mind you, like there's a million steps between, but we're going to give you like the overall big picture and the pivotal point in my life that brought me here. Every marriage kind of goes through these seasons where everything's really good and then everything's really off. You just are not connecting. You can't communicate right. You are like, what is wrong with this person? <laughs> and that goes both ways. I'm not saying it's just women feel that way towards men and it's not just men feel that way towards women. It's both things. <laughs> it goes both ways where you just don't sink. And there's arguments and frustration and assumptions and accusations <laughs> And please don't tell me I'm alone in this. (laughs) But it seems to be a cycle. Like at the same time every year, the same argument happens. And the weirdest part about it is it's almost always the same issue. It's almost always the same root. 
but nobody ever pulls up the root. Nobody ever finds what the root is. Well, James and I were like every other average married couple, and (laughs) we found ourselves in a cycle like that. On our 12-year mark, there was a moment where we were, I would say, discussing. We weren't yelling at each other. We weren't screaming or anything like that, but we were disagreeing. We were arguing, and I started crying because I felt like I wasn't being heard. I had been saying the same thing over and over and over again for 12 years for however many cycles we've had to go through the same argument. And my husband turned around and he looked at me. There was complete apathy in his eyes. I want to tell you something about my husband. Now, my husband is not somebody who is has ever been verbally abusive or cruel or unkind in any way. Like, he's very compromising. He's very loving. He's easy to get along with. He's pretty amazing. I think I'm slightly biased. I'm married to him. And even in our arguments and disagreements, I was never so angry that I thought, oh, why did I marry you? That was never a thing. (laughs) But he turned and he looked at me and there was zero compassion, zero love in his eyes And it hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit me so hard. I stopped crying. Well, I mean, the weeping (laughs) part of it. (laughs) I still had tears streaming down my face. And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go. And he was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I said, I think I'm the problem. I think I I." can't make you happy. I can't make the kids happy. I'm not doing things the way that you want me to do them. It doesn't matter how many times I try to change. I need to go. I need to leave. And I'm going to pray that the Lord brings you someone who loves you the way that you want to be loved and who takes care of our children and loves our children the way that you wish that I could, but I seem to not be able to do. I wasn't one to throw idle threats. This isn't something I had ever said to him before. It's not like we got in disagreements and I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I mean, jokingly, like, like my first episode, right? I'm running away. I'm, I can't handle this anymore. But never sincerely was I like, if this, if things don't change, I'm gone. Like, I'm not an ultimatum kind of a person. So I stood up. He followed me and was like, well, where are you going to go? And he said, I th- I'm just, I'm going to pack my bag. I don't know. I'll go to my mom's and then I'll figure it out from there. We had been in the garage and I got up to walk into the house and my husband followed me asking me these questions. I walked up the stairs. I went into our bedroom. He followed. He closed the door behind me and he was like, what is going on? Like, What is really going on here? You don't walk away. Through my tears, I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. I can't be alone anymore in a marriage. And I felt so alone because I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't created to be. Now, am I created to be in the word and and seek my heavenly father to know who I'm supposed to be? Absolutely. And was I doing those things? Absolutely. But the church was telling me that how I felt I was supposed to be actually didn't align with scripture. And therefore, I was constantly fighting what I felt like he was telling me to do to fit the mold of this culture 
that I was enveloped in. Well, I didn't know how to tell my husband that (laughs) because that would make me a terrible wife, right? I was told I was supposed to be his help me. I'm somebody who is supposed to take his burdens, but never give him mine. I was never supposed to pour out my burdens onto my husband because he worked all day and he was dealing with all of these burdens of providing for our family. And as his help meet, I was to take on his burdens. And then if I needed to unburden myself, I should find a friend and unburden myself to that friend. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, it's really difficult to do that when sometimes the unburdening is is your husband, like the person that you need to unburden is your husband's stuff. Well, I can't take my husband's burdens and unload them onto a friend. That would be so dishonoring and disrespectful to my husband. So I'm carrying 12 years <laughs> of burdens for my husband and myself and my family and all of the things. And I have no place to put it, but it's making me heavy, angry, frustrated, short-tempered, overwhelmed, and alone. So, so, so alone in a house filled with children and a husband. (laughs) And I was so alone. But I had never been able to tell him until he sat down on the bed next to me. And actually, I wasn't sitting. I was trying to pack a bag, right? (laughs) But he did. He grabbed my hands and he was like, sit down with me. What is really happening? What is going on inside of you? And in that very moment, it was almost like the Holy Spirit came down. I poured out everything to him. I have been carrying all these things. I can't keep doing this all by myself. It's just me. I am so overwhelmed. I'm so alone. I can't share these things with you. And my husband stopped me in the middle of my outpouring of these things. And he said, who told you this? Who told you these things? Who told you that I'm not your person, that you unburden yourself? Where did this come from? Have I told you that? And I looked at him and I thought, no, like, (laughs) you've never said anything like that before. And through my tears, I said, that's what the church has been teaching me for the last however many number of years it had been since I had been attending church and in the Bible and going to women's conferences and marriage conferences and reading books on being a godly woman and what that looks like. And he looked me so deep in the eyes. I can't remember if he touched my face. I can't remember if he touched my shoulders. I don't remember anything except his eyes looking so deeply into my eyes that I felt seen and heard for the first time in 12 years. And he said, that's a lie. And I I did, I broke. I shattered. I was, I was in dust. He said, there's nothing in scripture that says women are supposed to be these weak, mild, meek doormats. There's nothing in scripture that says you aren't supposed to bring me your burdens. There is nothing in scripture that says any of these things that this culture has been teaching you. And I am sorry. Yep, he did. He apologized. He apologized that I had believed a lie for all of these years. He apologized because I had been fighting who I was created to be for so long that I was miserable. Oh, I was so miserable. And I was making everybody around me miserable. He apologized ultimately because he said he hadn't encouraged me and supported me in a biblical way because he didn't know that I didn't know what the truth was. He didn't know that I had this misconception. I was taught, deceived into believing something that wasn't scriptural. 
And my husband, being the God-fearing man that he is, picked up the Bible and started reading scripture after scripture after scripture over me, saying, this is, this is a godly woman. This is what you ought to look like. Not some fairy tale, make-believe, unachievable goal of what a woman is. These are the things. She's strong. She's capable. She takes care of her household. She can run a business. She could run a city. She can do all of these things. She's not meek and mild and sits back and just shuts up. And I'm your person. I am your person. I am the person you bring everything to. We are one. We are one united in the sight of our Heavenly Father. We have become one. That is what our marriage vow said. (laughs) As I was completely broken, ashes, dust on the floor when my husband told me that that was a lie, (laughs) and he spoke the word over me, it was like pouring love and truth and life over my ashes so that Yahweh could take that muddy clay of who I was at that moment and shape me into exactly who I was created to be. Part of this deals with, you know, my husband, my whole marriage was like, you need a hobby. What do you enjoy doing? He was always encouraging me to be and do the things that I love. He always encouraged me to pursue things that I enjoyed doing. He always encouraged me to find time for myself. But I was a mom and I had a lot of little ones and I didn't know how to do that because that's not what I was taught. So there was this constant battle, him trying to encourage me to do the things that I ought to do. And me being like, okay, but I enjoy doing these things and that's not what I was told I should do. (laughs) And instead of talking to him about it, I internalized it and I tried to pray about it and I fought with myself for years. I am so thankful for my husband and I'm not sharing this part of my testimony to boast on who my husband is, right? Because the truth of the matter is not every husband is like my husband. (laughs) Not every husband has an understanding of scripture like my husband does. The truth is we all have someone in our life that does that for us. Someone that takes us by the shoulder and is like, hey, this is the truth. This is the truth. The truth that breaks us through the lies. It breaks us and releases those things that have kept us bound and and deceived and alone. So why am I sharing all this? (laughs) That's a lot, right? It's pretty deep. (laughs) I'm sharing all of this because when I read this post on Facebook that talked about women were created to have a voice and the church has lied and said that they're not, I felt the desire to share that testimony that I've shared with very few people. There are very few people that I've shared that testimony with because it's an ugly, it's like an ugly, ugly thing, right? (laughs) It was an ugly part of my life. It was a very sad part of my life. In those 12 years that we were going through these cycles and I was struggling with these things, we didn't have an unhappy marriage. I loved my husband. I loved my family and I loved my life, but I was miserable. Wait, what? How can you love your life and be miserable? Well, two things can be true at the same time. (laughs) Because you can love everything that you have and where you are and still feel alone and desperate and like you're fighting. You're fighting to be who you are and created to be. You're fighting to know what that looks like. You're fighting to fit. And in that fight, it's really, really lonely. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be lonely. It doesn't have to be 
a fight. Sometimes we just need the truth opened up over us so that it can be poured into us so that we can grow in that truth and who we were created to be. And now I'm not saying this. I don't feel like anything that we're supposed to be goes against scripture. If you say, oh, well, you know, the truth opened up and now I'm whatever and it contradicts the word, then no, that's not truth. (laughs) But the truth will set you free. That's what Yeshua said. It's the truth. It's the word that sets us free from the lies and the deception and the bondage of the enemy that holds us bound and holds us back from being everything we were created to walk in, to receive, to see, to feel, to hear here to touch to taste deception keeps us from that truth and it makes us miserable and in the process it makes everybody around us miserable i wouldn't be doing a podcast today if i didn't go through that super ugly thing because i wouldn't have the confidence the encouragement and the assurance that i was doing the thing that yawa wanted me to do so after all this ugliness right <laughs> After this 12 years of struggling all by myself and feeling so alone in motherhood, my husband asked, well, what do you love? What do you want to do? And I was like, I love farming. It brings me joy. It makes me peaceful inside. I love hanging out with chickens and goats and sitting in the garden and pulling weeds and putting my hands in the dirt and seeing the fruit of our labor. It brings me joy to farm and it brings me joy to school my kids and it brings me joy to bake in the kitchen and make meals from scratch and take care of my family without these preconceived notions of this is what it's supposed to look like. But more than all of that, I want to share my story with people. I want to encourage other moms that they're not alone and I don't know how to do that. Mind you, this was six years ago seven years ago that he asked me this and and I said these things. I want to encourage other moms in the loneliness of motherhood because sometimes motherhood, you'd be surrounded by so many kids and feel so, so alone. I want to encourage them where they are. I know that it's not only moms who listen to my podcast, it's men who listen to my podcast too. And this isn't just a plea like, hey, listen, your wives feel alone because, hey, I know men also very much feel alone in their journey of life as well. So let this be an encouragement that as you seek the heart of the Father, the truth will be revealed to you and you will know exactly what you're supposed to do, exactly the path you should be on and the choices you should be making. You will have fulfillment and joy and peace and love and all of the fruit of the Spirit will pour out over you. And that doesn't mean you won't have hard days. That doesn't mean you won't have days when you wake up and you're like, hey, I wanted to exercise. Who pulled my exercise mat out and put mud all over it and it's why is it on the porch? (laughs) Like, that's my real life. It's not that there aren't times that you aren't going to still feel alone and still feel overwhelmed and still be like, ugh, why is this so hard? Why is life so hard? Let this be an encouragement that as you're seeking the heart of the Father who created you, who knows you better than anybody else, that he will direct every single step. He will put you on the path exactly where you're supposed to go to do the thing that you were created to do. And hey, I started this podcast and I said, if there's just one person who listens, then I guess I've done everything that I can do. If there's just one person that gets something from the tragedies (laughs) that I find myself in in my life, chasing cows in the middle of the night, chasing my kids with puke buckets, whatever it may be, if there's some person out there, just one, just one person who could be encouraged, then it was totally worth putting myself out there and being completely vulnerable. It's worth it every single time. 
And I know that I've done exactly what's in my heart to do. Exactly the thing that I felt like Yahweh has placed in me. I'm using my voice. I'm using my experience. I'm using my love of teaching other people and encouraging other people. I'm doing it on this platform through this podcast. But I wouldn't be here had it not been for that really ugly journey to get here. So if you have a dream in your heart, if you have a vision of what you want your life to be like, and you feel like you are this square peg trying to fit in this round hole, you probably are a square peg. And that round hole is not where you're supposed to be. So find that square hole. Find the one where you're supposed to fit. Know that the only way to find it is to know the Father, to know his heart, to be in his word, to be in prayer, to know his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice. As a shepherd, and I've watched this with my husband, his sheep know his voice. He can come outside and talk to the kids and his sheep will call to him. They know his voice and they know it so well. And if I talk, they're like, who are you, lady? Like, you're not our shepherd. (laughs) When you spend time, when we all spend time in his word and in prayer, and sometimes prayer is just being quiet, listening for his voice, then we know who we're supposed to be. And if you are like me and you... (laughs) You're like, I hear your voice, but everybody else around me is telling me to do this thing. And you need an encourager like James was to me. Then I pray that he puts that person in your life to draw you up out of the mire and mold you in to who you were created to be. You're not alone in this journey. You're not alone in life. I guarantee whatever you have walked through, there are hundreds, maybe thousands of people who have walked through something similar. You're not alone. None of us are alone. And not only that, we're not alone because of other people, but we're definitely not alone because of his spirit. I'm going to leave you with that today. I thank you so much for spending the time listening to this story, listening to my testimony. I pray that it encourages you to take life by the reins, grab it, and love every minute of it. The ups, the downs, the uglies, the beautifuls. (laughs) the messes, all of the things that make life what it is. I pray that this encourages you to just live it. Build your house with your own two hands. Love on your family. Love yourself enough to be like, Yawa, who am I to you? Who did you create me to be? What did you create me to do? Lead me on your straight and narrow path. Don't forget to check out our affiliate links below. Every time you click one of those affiliate links, it helps out our family a little bit to get closer to being in our house and out of the RV, which, hey, that is the goal, right? (laughs) You will find Rejuva Minerals, which is an amazing makeup line. They're EWG verified. They rank super high on the Think Dirty app. It's the only makeup line I let my kids use. You'll also find a link to Kitsch and a coupon code Leslie15, which will save you a little extra money, but you can find shampoo bars, conditioner bars, hair accessories, all of the things to keep your hair and your head happy and healthy. And Not Consumed Ministries, which provides these amazing small Bible studies that are topical that you can do with your kids, you can do alone, you can do as a family. My children and I have enjoyed them thoroughly and I encourage everyone to check them out. Thank you again for joining me. If you have any questions, comments, you want to see what's happening in our daily lives, you can check out Instagram at stayathomemomgoody or you can email me at stayathomemomgoody at outlook.com. Have a blessed week and we'll connect again next time.